as a player, you have to start to pay attention to your body and what you need. Like I would imagine like catchers, I was never a catcher, but your knees take a beating, right? Even if you're doing it at a young age and you're youthful and everything else, but maybe you should be doing extra stretches and like a car's routine on your knees. So that way your, your kneecaps and everything are gliding and moving how they should, because it, it is taking a beating. So it's like, you know, you want to make sure that you're doing what you specifically need to do because a pitcher's routine is going to be different than a catcher's, which is going to be different than an infielder and outfielder's. All right. Well, welcome to the Car Ride Home podcast. I'm excited today to uh, chat with Sierra Romero. I'm, I gave like real high level overviews because I think we could spend the whole hour talking about your stats, but four time All-American three-time Big Ten Player of the Year, National Player of the Year, University of Michigan Hall of Famer. There was way too many to count, like single season and career records for NCAA, Big Ten, Michigan. Played four seasons in the MPF, just completed second season in Athletes Unlimited. International experience with USA and Mexico. And one of the things we'll talk a lot about today, the founder of the 32 Approach. Sierra, welcome to the Car Ride Home. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, we call this, um, this is the Car Ride Home podcast. So before we we dive deep into all the things that, that you're doing, we got to set the stage first in the car. So most important, you're in charge. What kind of music are we listening to in the car ride? Hip hop, R&B. Um, my favorites, def- definitely like 90s. Were you different of like car ride two games, car ride post games Did like the outcome effect or pretty consistent? I always liked my parents' music. That's probably why I like the 90s hip-hop R&B, because that's all they listened to. But Car Ride Home, the only time it changed was if I didn't have a good game. I have I would have my own headphones in. Otherwise, I would usually listen to their music. <laughs> Wait, what are you listening to in your own headphones then after? Um, in my own headphones, it's probably like some type of rap, something something along those lines. I've been really into, I don't even know what I don't know what you would call I, I guess Russ is rap. I really like Russ and I really like Mike. I don't know. If, I don't know if that's like, that's not indie. It's not indie. It's just slower, but it's still rap. Got it. Yeah. You're talking the wrong, wrong person here. We'll just, we'll go with it. I, <laughs> I believe you. I trust you. So the, the next most important question. Now that we have the music is where are we eating on the car ride home? <laughs> Young Sierra is definitely like Jack in the box. If you know, if in and outs open in and out, if we can get there, um, Sierra now, I really don't eat much after games. It's too late to eat. (laughs) Um, But before games, it's usually something, it could be something like a pot bellies sandwich or I'm in Chicago now, so they don't have, when I was in Florida, a lot of times it was like the pub sub just because I had enough to like really hold me over and make me feel like really full. Um, but then other than that, it's, I like to, I'm on a big like hummus kick. I just, just now before we got on, I was snacking on like hummus and carrots. So it's usually like veggies with some, with some hummus. Um, I love a good cheese too. You know, that is very different. Just like little snacks. I feel like I pick. I pick. Let me tell you, I used to rock yeah. Jack in the box, jumbo jacks, like before and after games, which is absolutely disgusting to eat at 7 a.m. a jumbo jack from jack of the box but i did it yep i uh i would get their sourdough jack that was my favorite thing from jack of the box (laughs) 
Oh man. All right. I can't even imagine this has to be good, especially knowing your family. Do you have, when I ask you, what's the most memorable car ride home? What's the first thing that, that comes to mind? And it can be as a youth player, pro player, um, college player, either one. Probably in college, it wasn't really a car ride home since we took the bus as a team, but like my family was back at the hotel when I got back and it was after the world series, after we lost and my, you know, my, my time was up with Michigan. Um, just, you know, my parents telling me how proud they were, you know, they were excited for me in that like next chapter. And then we immediately got ready and I spoke to Hutton. I was like, can I go watch Sid play? Cause Sydney was still playing at the time. And that was the year that they won the world series. So, um, it was kind of like that moment of, wow, I'm done. Take a moment to like acknowledge everything I did and the success the team had. And then it was really quickly like, okay, let's go cheer on Sid. Cause they're probably about to win this thing. So it was a really cool moment. Cause it was like, everybody was there, but then it was also cool. Cause my sister was there and I got to see her now taking over kind of thing. Super cool. Actually, it doesn't seem like that long ago. I remember watching that on, on TV. What have a lot of people talk about kind of almost the differences of, of mom and dad in some of those car rides, especially the game didn't go that well or a tough practice. I know you guys commuted for practice too. What was the differences in the car ride home between your mom and your dad? My dad was more vocal for sure. Um, he was the one always in my ear, always saying something. He knew how to really get under my skin uh, my mom was the one always trying to calm him down. She was like mediator. Uh, she was the one always bringing the good vibes and snacks. I feel like, you know, anytime we were in between games, everybody was always like, dang, your mom always packs the best stuff. She always had like just really good food for us always. Um, whenever I was with my dad, it was always a hot dog at the snack bar because he wasn't going to be packing any snacks. Um, but I feel like having the constant like dad role of him always being on me, but then having my mom to also come in and be like, it's okay. It's just a game kind of thing. Even though I didn't think it was just a game, like it still meant a lot. It was really nice to hear that for me to like kind of bring it down a notch. Um, Cause I was very passionate at a young age when I was playing, I'd get very like emotional and like overwhelmed with things. Um, but it also was nice. Cause there was times where I didn't want to listen to my dad. Cause he was always the one like on me. So if I really wasn't doing something I should do, my mom would also chime in and be like, maybe you should work out. Like, maybe you should go hit like your, your dad's not wrong. So then when my mom chimed in, I'm, ch would chime in, I'd be like, okay, I should probably go do that. Cause she's never telling me like, Hey, you should probably go do that unless I really need to. I feel like you told, I don't know if you told me this story or maybe it was on the webinar about a car ride with Sophia your youngest sister, where you actually got to play that role. Do you remember what that was, what that story? <laughs> yeah, yeah um, I was home. I don't remember if I was home for college. I have a feeling it was I was home for college. Um, and Sophia went to our old hitting coach that we had that was close to us because we would go to Mike at STC. But when we didn't want to do the hour and a half drive, we were like, let's go 20 minutes down the road to our other hitting coach. So Sophia was going to him and, you know, she had a hitting lesson. I was home visiting. So I was like, I'll take her. Um, and I took her. She had like a terrible lesson. She did really, really bad. I was almost like a little uncomfortable watching because I already knew my dad was going to ask how it went. And I was going to either tell him the truth or I was going to lie for her. So I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do here. But it was really bad. And um, 
we got in the car and she knew it was bad. And I'm sure she probably to an extent also wanted to hit well since I was home. You know, she was little, she was very little and um, she was just crying. And I just remember I hadn't said anything to her. Like I didn't tell her she did bad. I didn't say anything. She just started crying. So I was like, Sophia, why are you crying? And um, she was like, I just, I hit so bad, you know, I'm, I'm not good, like all this stuff. And I'm like, well, Pia, I've been home for like three, four days. I haven't seen you go outside and hit once. You haven't asked me to hit with you one time. Like, why would you think you were going to have a good hitting lesson today when you've been hanging out, you've been, do, you know, hanging with your friends, doing all these other things, but like you haven't done any softball work and we literally have a cage in the backyard. Like, I don't know what, there's really no excuse. So she was kind of like, yeah. And, and I just kind of, I kind of just laid into her the whole, like, how could you expect to do well if you're not training? So immediately after that, she like got home and was like all mad at herself, not mad at me, but she like went in the backyard was hitting and same thing throughout the week, started to do that throughout the week um, because she knew I was watching too, but she, I don't think she ever like put that into perspective. Obviously she was very little, but I was just trying to give her that, that idea of you can't expect to get any type of result if you're not doing any type of work. I love that. As we were talking, I just remembered that of you telling that story. I'm like, how perfect for, that's why I enjoy the, the car ride home concept because as youth players and college, you spend so much time. I know like I was the same way. We would you commute do. to commute from, you're with your parents, but what a cool moment there of actually with your younger sister that has to hit home. Cause that's not mom or dad. That's big sister telling me, telling me the truth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I don't, I don't say much to her. I really don't. Cause I know my parents will say enough. So I'm like, she doesn't need to hear anything from me. But in that moment when she was crying, I was like, you know, like, don't cry. You don't, you don't have a reason to cry. It'd be different if you were working your butt off and not getting the results and you were just frustrated. I'd be like, okay, like, yeah, let it out. It's okay to get frustrated and get upset. But like, then I'm, I'm very much like a, how are we going to fix it then? Let's not keep crying about it. How do you fix it? What's the next step? And so, um, but in that moment, I had to tell her that her reason for crying, technically, I, I, I didn't believe it was okay because she, it's a controllable. She could have worked harder. Love that. I love that. I, just my own curiosity, because you and, and Sydney probably spent a lot of times commuting back from games or practices. Was there a difference of the two of you and how you handled things? Or was it pretty, pretty similar? Or did your parents even talk to y'all different? They talked to us the same. They talked to Sophia a little bit different and Mikey a little bit different when he was younger. As he got older, he started to get talked to the same as us. But even then, I don't feel like he really got it as bad as we did. I think Sydney and I got it the worst. So you're saying they got softer is what you're saying? They did. They oh, did. Always... I tell them all the time. I was like, you guys got soft. <laughs> hilarious like, I'm like Sophia could get her hair done a million times a week and it'd be okay she's a baby I asked for shampoo and it's like pulling teeth <laughs> that's amazing uh so I want to dive straight into to what you're doing today uh, we'll talk to you about how we're going to partner together with the alliance and the 32 approach so you recently have taken everything you've done as a player and you've turned that into a training app for athletes. Can you talk, just mm -hmm. explain in your own words of exactly what is the 32 approach and, and why you decided to create a training app? Yeah. So I moved down to 
St. Peter, St. Petersburg, Florida earlier this year. And I got connected with my current trainer, Thomas Summers, and he's very familiar with like the online stuff. Um, he, he didn't have an app, nothing like that, but he was very familiar with like online training. Um, as for me, I was very much just in my, I need to have a good trainer. If I'm going to be here, I need, you know, I don't want to let these things slip. And so for me, it was, it was very interesting. Cause like, I'm not very trustworthy when it comes to just any trainer. So like, I kind of told him, he's like, Oh, you should train here. I'm like, yeah, we'll see. Like, I'm going to, I need to see how you are first. Cause if I don't like what you're doing, then I'm not, if you're telling me to throw around 300 pounds, I'm gonna look at you like you're crazy and be like, I don't need to be doing that. <laughs> and so, um, I ended up liking what he was teaching and how he was instructing it. And so I was like, okay, <clears throat> I'm going to go ahead and go here. And we started talking more and more. He was doing a lot of content stuff for like his own personal page. And I was in some of it and it was kind of, you know, I was him training me as a way to like give back to him. I was like, yeah, I'll film videos. You can post me in videos. Like, let's, let's do it. It makes sense. It's fair. It's right. Well, then we started having more conversations about how the softball world was lacking in like the proper strength and conditioning, but also even just proper instruction. Um, because I'm very much like a, you got to find what fits for you when it comes to hitting in defense. Now there's not just one right way. And I know that some people do believe there is a right way, but again, there's just different ways to coach it. And so for me, I was like, if I'm someone that already believes in teaching it in a very like open-minded way, then it should be able to be some, it should be something that everyone's able to relate to. They don't have to listen to everything I say, but they can take the things that they like and they can get better from it. And so same thing with the strength and conditioning. I feel like a lot of athletes in that area, myself included, like I'll, I'll get lost if I don't have somebody telling me what to do. Cause I've seen and done a million different movements. So we decided to talk about how we could bring it all into one. And, um, it ended up being this app and he already had like a model and everything in like in his head designed, ready to go. And so we kind of went through it and we were like, yep, this is, this is great. This is what's going to work. And then from there it was nonstop filming. It was filming for like I don't even know. I think I literally had like eight hour days of filming. We'd be up at like four in the morning because sometimes we were working around his training schedule because we didn't want people to be in the gym when things were being filmed and we didn't want it loud. It needed to like just be very professionally done. So it was a grind and it was tough. And we were also trying to beat the timing of getting it done before I left for Athletes Unlimited. And so it was it was tough, but like it was really good. And what's crazy is what we've put out has already done so well. And it's like, not even, we haven't even like scratched the surface with what we're trying to bring to it. Like we just brought what we knew we needed first. And now like we get, now we have time. Now we get to continue to add more. So now we'll be adding catching, pitching, things that like I, I can't instruct and I'm not gonna try to. So we're gonna bring those right people in. So then that way these athletes can go on an app and be like, okay, well, what's my workout on Monday? It shows you, it shows you the workout. Everything is video. There's audio, the reps, you can put your weight in so you can keep track of the weights you're putting on. Um, everything is on there for you for strength and conditioning. And then the same thing for hitting defense and then what will soon be added, catching, pitching and all those things. So that you're never wondering what to do because sometimes the biggest difference between the athletes that are having success and the athletes that aren't is direction and consistency. And the app gives you the direction and it allows you the opportunity to be consistent, but it's ultimately up to you to obviously do the work. Correct me if I'm wrong. These are exact things that you do, correct? In, in your own training mm -hmm. still to this day, right? 
Yeah. So what we did was I, um, social media is eyewash. Like I don't care what anybody says. Social media now has so many, so many different eyewash things out there that don't actually work, but sometimes influencer need influencers. They just need something to post. So they'll go and try a drill and they're like, yep, it works. Like I don't, I'll try new drills and I'm like, how, how in the world does this translate to my swing? How in the world does this translate to my defense? Like it, this doesn't make any sense. Or why am I lifting in this position? This is one, a very dangerous position to lift in Two, this is not softball specific, like related at all. Like we don't need this type of movement. And so sometimes that can like be a little bit scary because athletes start to try different crazy things and it, it, they just, they could hurt themselves. And so I feel like for a little while I got caught up in looking at a lot of these drills and I'm like, dang, I remember I was making my list and I was like, I feel like my list isn't that big. Like it's, it's a good list and it's got a good amount of drills in there, but I feel like it's not, it's not something crazy, like a million drills. But I also was like, but these are the drills that have helped me. These are the drills that bring me back to my basics. These are the drills that help me have the correct form, do things the right way. And so for me, I was like, you know what? let's not try to put in a million different drills, right? I don't want this to become an eyewash thing where people are like, oh, she's just putting anything and everything she can find into this app. Instead, I was like, let's do exactly what I believe in. So if that's 30 drills, then it's 30 drills. Mm -hmm. And you know, you put in the workouts that you believe are the best for the athletes and the movements. And then anything more that we want to add, we should bring in other people and allow them to teach what's worked for them. Because I don't want to assume that what I, the 30 drills, let's just say that I've done, I don't want to assume that that's going to work for every athlete. So if we bring in another infielder and she teaches, she brings in 30 more drills and 10 of them are the same, but then all of a sudden there's 20 different ones. Now you get to learn a different side of fielding based off of her experience and what's worked for her, her body, and just the athlete that she is. So the goal is to make this app connect with anyone and everyone. I love that. We, I just think in life, right, we try to overcomplicate things when really it comes down to just basics and probably repetition of those basics. Mm -hmm. When you say um, softball movements, can you explain in your words, like, what are the movements? What are the specific training? Like, you know, you shouldn't go out and run three miles. So like, what are the specific softball movements in your opinion that, that young players should be doing? Yeah, I mean, I think a big one that I've like recently really fallen in love with has been uh, med ball stuff like med ball throws because that translates so much to hitting. We do a lot of jammer stuff. So a lot of like rotational power. Um, I've also gotten really into like activation things that I don't think that athletes normally do. So kind of that buildup of getting our nervous system ready for what we're about to do. Um, I noticed a very big difference when I was in season. Cause there'd be days where I was really tired and I was like, you know what? I just really want to rest right now. I don't want to go do my activations at the gym. So like I wouldn't go, but I would do like a mini one before the game to make sure I was still fine and good and stretched and everything. But I felt like my performance and the way my body felt before a game was totally different when I actually went to the gym and did my actual activation, which is only like 30 minutes as opposed to that day where I was like, I just want to relax today and, you know, go eat and then go. I felt such a big difference to the point where I didn't do that again. I was like, I'm not skipping it again. And so um, I like swear by them now. I won't, I'm not going to skip it. I'm not going to not do it. Um, I even had 
pulled Sydney into it with me. We, we, we would not be on the same team. And she'd be like, can I go to the gym with you today? I want to do the activation. And I'm like, yeah. Or I would just send it to her um, so she could actually get it done if our game times were off. But for me, I think that those have been some of like the biggest things. And, you know, we, we work on moving in very like uncomfortable positions. Like we need to be able to have um, knees over toes. And, you know, some people will be like, no, that's a dangerous position to be in. But think about how many times as a softball player, your knees are over your toes when you're fielding, you're bending over, you're falling over, trying to feel the ground ball. Like those are positions that you could get injured in. But if your body is training in those positions in a safe way, right? It can be body weight. It's not like you have to have a hundred pounds on you moving in that position because you're never going to be moving in that position with a hundred pounds on you. Yep. It's just learning to get your body in those positions so it can come out of it. So, I mean, I had to really hone in on that too, after my knee injury, because I had to get comfortable getting uncomfortable again. Yep. I love that. Can you explain, I know we're, it, it's audio, right? We're on podcast, but in, in your best description words, an activation of what exactly, especially like, uh, you're gonna do activations for hitting. What exactly is that? What does that look like? Yeah, so like a, a hitting activation would be something like med ball throws, but it would all be like quick stuff, quick snaps. So we might be in a hitting position and you would go into your hitting position and actually load, do everything you're gonna normally do, but have a weighted ball and then snap it. And you, there's different positioning. There's like a kickstand one, you can do it on your knees in a hitting position, but we do like a different rotation. So it's basically to get all parts of your body activated, ready to go. And then like when there's a hitting activation, there's always still lower half stuff. So like, we're not just going to do hitting specifically stuff. Like we're never just going to say, just do med ball. We might also have in there like, all right, let's do some skier jumps. Like let's get your legs working now, right? Things that you're not going to jump like, like a skier in the box, but we need you to do that to be ready to run bases we need you to do that to be ready to just actually activate your lower half and wake it up. So then that way you're not feeling sluggish. Um, with, with that, we'll do like arm stuff. So it could be carries. It could be just banded workout stuff. It's never anything that's going to fatigue you like crazy before a game. Like I said, it's only 30 minutes. Like the activation stuff is 30 minutes. You're in, you're out. Um, Ideally, like, you know, if you go, for example, like the gym that I was going to when I was in season had a sauna. So I actually started all of my activations with 15 minutes in the sauna. So I'd go from sauna, activation, go home, eat, then go through my day. So for me, it was always about like that. Part of it too in the beginning is rolling out, like making sure you're actually stretched and actually good to go. Because you'd be surprised like if you don't do anything all day and you only stretch before the game, you're not as ready as you could be. If you did a midday activation or ideally you want the activation to be midday or just before you really have to get ready to go to the field. Um, like you're going to feel, I don't know how to explain it. You just feel ready. Like you just feel like your brain and your body are connected. You don't feel like you just rolled out of bed. When I, when I, didn't do the activation that day, I very much felt sluggish. Like I felt like I needed an energy drink. I felt like I needed something to wake me up. Whereas if I go do what I need to do with the activations, I, I don't feel like I need to find energy somewhere else. I feel very into it and like on it and ready to go. I'm curious, like obviously in the pro world, right? You have all day and then you're getting ready for that, that one big game in the evening. What would your advice be? And maybe you guys already addressed this in the, in the app for those travel ball players who are playing a tournament where 
shoot, you might play two, three, six games in a day. Do you guys talk about that and even like little things that they can do throughout the day for uh, to just for their body? We actually don't. However, this, like what we're doing now, like these workouts, these activations, like these things are all things that are going to be able to keep you going. Like right now, like think of like age wise, right? Like if you're 15, you can handle a four day, a four games, four games in a day, as opposed to like me, who's 29. I, I could never, I can, when I did double headers, like two years ago, I thought I was going to pass out. Like I was like, I just, this is not, this is not it for me. So I think that following along with this program, like with what we're doing now, you'll feel so much stronger to where like those don't fatigue you as much. You're going to naturally get fatigued, but I do feel like when I was in travel ball, I was working out. I was going to STC. I was lifting. I was doing those things. I don't ever remember feeling so tired that like I couldn't play those four games if we got into the loser's bracket. Was I exhausted after? Yes. But I could still play really good in that third and fourth game. I didn't just crash, you know? But I think that a big part of it too is, of course, what are you doing in between games? I was resting. You know, it's again, it's you might have to redo activations and get yourself ready to go again. You never know. So that's one of those things where as a player, you have to start to pay attention to your body and what you need. Like I would imagine like catchers, I was never a catcher, but your knees take a beating, right? Even if you're doing it at a young age and you're youthful and everything else, but maybe you should be doing extra stretches and like a car's routine on your knees. So that way your, your kneecaps and everything are gliding and moving how they should, because it, it is taking a beating. So it's like, you know, you want to make sure that you're doing what you specifically need to do because a pitcher's routine is going to be different than a catcher's, which is going to be different than an infielder and outfielders. So you mentioned it that you actually, because I was going to ask, when did just this training mindset start? I would imagine for you, it, it was a young age. And when you when you say STC, I know what you're talking about with Mike Stith and the Bat Busters and, and the sports training complex. I've walked in those doors and watched what nine... 10, 12 year old, 16 year old girls are doing. And I wish the rest of the world had those opportunities, which is why I'm excited with what you're doing now, because that can scale. But I guess, um, you know, what did you learn at a young age about the importance of this, this part of the game? Because so often, right, we just go take more reps, more reps, more reps and hitting fielding, but this has really become a lost part of the game. I guess, um, when did you first learn? Sorry, I just jumped like all over there on my tangent. But when did you first learn about the importance of this side? Um, and I guess how how has that evolved, especially through your the, as a youth player? I mean, it really did start when I was with the Batbusters because of the facility we had. So for me, I was always really small. Like I was barely a hundred pounds in high school. Like I was not big. Um, I had talent, but like I lacked some of the strength. And I, I believe I hit my first like home run, home run over the fence. I think it was like my freshman or sophomore year of high school. And it wasn't like I hit a ton, but that was when I finally got strong. But that was from all the lifting that I was doing. I was already lifting. So I was building those little muscles. Again, I wasn't a big kid. I wasn't tall and I wasn't super muscular. So like I had to work out really hard. I had to make sure I was putting in the reps, um, going in for fielding classes and hitting classes. And so for me, it was very much like the consistency. 
I was doing something softball related at almost every single day. Um, it, it, and even on my like off days, like I was probably out playing catch, you know, playing pepper with my siblings, like playing games, doing something. Um, but for me, it's, it's just very different now because like, even right now, like I'm at my house and I can't tell you how many times I go outside and I don't see any kids playing outside. So I feel like it's very different now. It's, it's like, I was always outside. My parents had to force me to come in to do my homework and stuff. I wanted to be outside playing and just being active. I couldn't just sit still. And so I think that's one big thing now. It's just that mindset of like getting up and going and doing it. Um, because that's like the hardest part. That's that's what everybody says. The hardest part about the gym is right. Go actually going. It's really not sometimes when you get there, it's just the process of getting there, getting in your car and actually going and walking in the door. And so it's the same thing. I feel like nowadays with kids, like it's getting them to get up and go. Um, but ultimately I feel like the ones that do, they are those elite athletes and they are those athletes that they are going to get what they want. Um, it may not, sometimes it doesn't always, you know, fall into place where it's like, you didn't get the number, the school you wanted to go to, but you got a couple for full ride offers. You got, you got something because of the work that you put in. Um, and I just can't help but think that if all athletes look at it that way, that, you know, they're going to get what they're wanting in the end. So I just feel like that mindset of STC, it helped prepare me because once I left high school and I went to Michigan, I didn't feel at all behind. Practices were easy for me. Training was easy for me. Like it, there was no, there was no like growth time for me. Like, you know how like sometimes you're like, oh, you're going to go in as a freshman, you might sit and then you were going to play. Like, no, that that never once was in my head. I was not sitting as a freshman and I wasn't going to be like happy with that. I planned on going in as a freshman and starting. And I knew that the only way that I was going to do that was if I trusted what, you know, Mike Stith and the Batbusters did for me as as a travel ball organization and, and prepared me right with practice, with lifting, with all those things. And I got really lucky because not every travel ball organization has that. So that's where we felt like the app, even that playing field, because I can't tell you how many times I've been to Michigan for a camp and I've worked with athletes and I'm like, dang, she could be really good if she just had some proper instruction, if she just had a consistent plan, like if she just knew what to do, if, if she just had something to tell her, hey, do this and you'll get better. But instead, she's probably trying to do her own research or making it up as she goes. And unfortunately, that's that's not going to help. I think this is a good time to tell you about Pocket Radar and our partnership for Alliance members. Pocket Radar is the official radar technology partner of the Alliance Fast Pitch. Pocket Radar's technology is currently utilized by coaches at the highest levels of softball and by parents and players training in their backyards. They provide software and hardware solutions tailored for player development and recruiting. Pocket Radar's new app platform is a powerful tool for athletes looking to improve their game and have their metrics be seen by coaches across the country. We use Pocket Radar in all of our Stars of Tomorrow combines. And you know what's even better? Alliance coaches and families can get up to $150 off Pocket Radar's smart coach and training bundle on our various buy days that we do with Pocket Radar. And every Alliance coach is eligible for that annual discount throughout the year. Learn more about our partnership with Pocket Radar and how you can receive an Alliance member discount by visiting our website, thealliancefastpitch.com, and clicking on Pocket Radar under the Partners tab. I remember those days of just trying to like figure it out and like write my own plans. Now I just dream, like write my plan for me. I'll, I'll go do it. 
What do you, um, okay, exactly. you said it first, so I, I can say this now, but you you aren't the largest in, in stature, right? And you said you didn't hit a home run until you were freshman, sophomore, but then you go on to become, I love this stat, that you are the career Grand Slam record holder in college. What do you attribute, <laughs> like specific to home runs and not being a such a, a tall, like large player, what do you attribute most of that to? I don't play scared. Um, I think that anybody would tell you whether you're on my team or you're playing against me, like you will never see me playing scared. That's one thing. And I think that even if you can't tell if somebody's playing scared, if you are nervous or just being a little timid and you're at bat, like it is going to show at some point, even if it doesn't show to your opponent, it's going to show to yourself. Like you're going to know that you're not ready or that you're nervous for this next pitch. Um, because for me, it's like, it's always, I never think of it as like that competition between me and the pitcher. It's, it's really always me versus me. Um, I've told people this a million times. Like, I don't believe anybody's ever good enough to get me out. I think I get myself out because I don't adjust. So for me, it's easier for me to like bounce back in an at bat or in a moment because I'm like, she didn't get me out because she's really good. She got me out because she, she hit a good spot, but I didn't get my barrel there. But if I would have got it there, that would have been a home run. And so for me, it's like, if I don't give too much credit to other people, it allows more success for me because softball is such a, like a mentally draining game. Um, and you're not going to always get the results that you want. So for me, it's, it's, you got to be your own hype woman. Like you can't look to your parents, your teammates, your friends to hype you up your coaches. Like if that's the case, then, you know, you're going to be like searching for that validation all the time. And so for me, it's like knowing and believing in myself is like all that I feel like I really need. I love that, by the way, I was asking about home runs and you went to the mental approach, which I love and spot on and tells me like exactly, you know, what was going on up there, which you can see when you play too. On Now that we're on kind of the, the mental side of this, I think a lot, a lot of athletes will go through an injury. And that's something that in the past few years you went through. Can you talk about that experience? Um, I guess the injury itself and more so like the road to recovery and kind of the, maybe that even helped lead to, to what you're doing today as well. Yeah. I mean, and what, what I'm excited too is um, we have to get other programs done within the 32 approach app first, but I will have like, I'm, I want, I'm very passionate about having an injury program on there specifically for ACL so having all drills and everything that you should be doing coming back from an ACL, but also having a lot of videos talking about the things that I struggled with and the things that like I needed help with. So I'm excited to like have that be out there too, because ACL is such a common um, injury in softball and specifically for, for girls as well. But um, I definitely think that like mentally when, when everything happened, it was like a shock because I was in the best shape of my life. Like, there, I was not by any means not prepared. Like I was very much ready to go. Like I was, I was on it. So for me, it was kind of like a, this doesn't make sense. Like the timing of this, like I have been doing all the right things. Um, how did this happen? And it was really just one of those things that was a freak accident. But at the end of the day, what's even crazier is like the recovery. I mean, the recovery went from it's supposed to be a year long. And I fully intended on taking a full year off, not trying to come back at nine months. I wanted to give myself the full 12. And then all of a sudden it turned into three years. And I was like, this is just too much. Like I'm getting older. You know, I don't know if I should keep playing. Maybe I should just go have a normal job. Like, you know, college is done. Um, 
So like all these things, I think I probably retired in my head like a hundred times. Um, I think in my entire career, I'm 29. I've, I've retired so many times in my head. Like I, I really have. And it just hasn't happened yet. So it's funny because people will be like, oh, well, when do you think you're going to stop playing? And I'm like, well, I've probably stopped playing literally over 100 times, if I'm being honest with you. You guys just don't know about it. Um, but uh, I think that that's like a battle you're always struggling with. And like with any injury, it's so easy to get stuck in like that mindset of like, I always say like, like playing the poor me card, mm-hmm. right? Because I, I played that card plenty of times like poor me I can't walk poor me I still can't run I can't do this I can't hit and then finally I think for me it was like I got tired of feeling like a victim and so I got tired of being in my head all the time so instead I was like you know what I know it's gonna hurt I know this isn't gonna feel good I know physical therapy is gonna suck it is what it is I'm just gonna like push through it and so for me it was like figuring out how to push through it and get out of my own head. Like that was by far the toughest part. Cause at the end of the day, the only thing holding me back wasn't even my knee. It was my head, like everything going on in my brain. Like what I was feeling wasn't fake. It was definitely injured. It was hurt. I needed another surgery, but my head was taking over and it was telling me I just couldn't do anything. So I I sort of like started to fall into that. Like I can't do anything, so I'm not going to, and I'm not even going to try. And then finally, I kind of got out of that to where the last procedure I had was removing the Cyclops lesion in, my, lesion in my knee. And they went in and they took it out. And I remember my mom was in town and um, she was in town to like, in case I needed her to take care of me, whatever. And I just remember I was literally, I walked out of the surgery room and they like went to run errands. I was supposed to rest. And I was like, I'm not sitting down. Like I was up cleaning. I was up painting. I was like doing anything. I was up on a ladder. Like my mom was so mad. She was like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm not sitting down. I feel like I've been like sitting for two years and this is another surgery. And he said, I need to move it. And she was like, yeah, but not in the same day of surgery. I'm like, I'm, I just can't, I, if, if I'm going to get hurt again, I'm going to get hurt, but it's going to be because I'm being active, not because I'm just sitting here doing nothing. So I think I became very stubborn at the end because I was tired of not being able to do things, especially because I felt like my own mindset was limiting me. Was there a, um, was there a particular moment, a person, um, a go-to thing, like just thinking of uh, young players who might be listening and going through kind of the same thing. Was there a concrete thing that like helped you kind of flip that switch in your mindset? So like I would go to physical therapy, like I'm not exaggerating. I really am not exaggerating. I would go there for like three to four hours every single day and we couldn't get my knee straight. Like I was just constantly in pain. Um, And then I remember everything that I was doing, I was doing it so like timid, like every step I took when I would go down from a step, like off the curb, like I was being so careful because I was so scared of it hurting or me hurting it or doing something to it again. And I really think it was just, I remember, I remember the moment by myself, like in the car, I was driving myself back 
And I just started crying in the car on my way back home because I was just so frustrated. Like it was the weirdest thing. It was like, I wasn't even really thinking about anything, but my, I just started crying. Like, and I'm not a crier. So like, I don't cry. <laughs> and I just like, was just tears, like full blown tears. And I'm like, why am I crying right now? But I didn't realize just how frustrated and like flustered and just overwhelmed I was with the whole situation. Um, cause I feel like I really held back a lot. Like even when my knee injury happened, I don't even think I really cried much. And if I did, like, I didn't want to cry to my parents. I didn't want to cry to anybody. I wanted to like try to be tough about it, but I was very much like upset and overwhelmed, but I was constantly trying to push those feelings aside. Um, because I kept trying to think of it as like, it's only going to be nine months. It's only going to be a year. Like you can get through it kind of thing. Um, but in that moment in the car, like, I think I just kind of decided like, I'm, t I'm done. Like I'm done feeling sorry for myself. I'm not going to keep using it as an excuse. I'm not going to keep saying I have a bad knee. I'm not going to, I'm just going to say like, like my knees healed. It's a good knee now. Now I just got to figure out how to work it. So I was like, it was so weird. I'd be paying attention to like little things. Like my, my trainer, even now one time, like we were doing something and my knee was hurting. Like, cause it still hurts to this day. You know, like your knee still hurts <laughs> Like when it's cold and raining out, like it, it still hurts. Um, and so he had said something like, oh, that's your bad knee. And I was like, no, it's not. And that this is like four years later. I'm like, this isn't my bad knee. Like my knee's fine. It just hurts a little. It's not my bad knee though. Like it's so weird because he obviously didn't mean to like trigger me in that way, but I immediately corrected him because I still have that mindset from that day in the car when I decided I wasn't going to be like play the poor me anymore. So now it's like, I don't have a bad knee. I had something happen to me and I recovered from it and it's okay now. It just hurts sometimes. I love that. There is no bad knee. I love that. We, no, um, it's healed. I can walk. Do you remember the first game that you got back and what your emotions were at that point? So you're, you're back playing at athletes unlimited. Can you just kind of give us a sneak peek? What was, what was going on inside? So fun fact, everybody thinks that my first games were with athletes unlimited because those were televised. So that's what everybody saw. My first games back were actually with team Mexico. So I, I wasn't officially cleared to play yet, but I really wanted to try to make a run for the Olympics. And before my knee injury, I was like in the prime, like the prime of my career. I was 26, I think. So 20, 25, 26, like I, I was, I was on the pride at the time. Like I was really good. Like, I'm not, like I really was like, I just, I, I was playing so well, everything was working. <laughs> and then when the knee injury happened, I was so upset. Cause I was like, I felt like I was seeing beach balls. Like it just, everything was good. Like I just was, yeah. And so I was like, you know, I, I would have had a normal chance to have like that run at the Olympics, but my knee took me out. I hadn't played. And next thing you know, this now this other Olympics is coming up and I'm still not cleared. And so I'm like, how can I try to like get there? I just want to, I just want to try. Cause if I try, then I know that I could technically end my softball career if, if I had to, and I could be happy because I at least went for it. Um, and so I went for it and I convinced them to clear me. I did even more training. And like, when I say convinced, I just mean like, it's not that I wasn't cleared, but like, I probably needed more time. You know, did that make sense? You're like, you're, you're good, but you could probably do much better with a lot more, like six months more time. And so instead I was like, no, I can do this. And so my first game back was we were in, I think we were in Florida at Eddie Seymour. We were playing against like other 
other teams. Um, and then my first at bat back was with, um, against Oklahoma. We played against the university of Oklahoma and I'm like, this is, this is ridiculous. Like I'm literally first at bat back going in against Oklahoma. <laughs> like I haven't played in three years. Um, and I actually put the ball in play and, but I, I got out, but I put the ball in play, but I just remember like, I could barely run. Um, I was very much like hobbling around the bases. Like I was going one base at a time. I was not running full speed. I was going one base at a time. And Sydney tells this story and she laughs because I'm at this point, I'm 20 something years old. I don't remember how old I was when I got cleared. Um, and we were at Eddie Seymour and I was getting so annoyed with myself because I just wanted to go full speed, but I couldn't because I was hurting. Like it was hurting me. And I just, I needed to be careful because I also didn't want to be out for another couple years. And so, um, I was getting annoyed because I just got out on the bases and I got out because I didn't slide because I was too scared to slide and I hadn't practiced sliding yet. So I literally went over to the field next to us because Eddie Seymour has fields like right next to it. So they're playing the game and now I'm out of the game. Someone else is in. So I told my coach, like, I will be back. I need a moment. So I was pissed because I got thrown out and it was because I didn't slide and whatever. So I, I go over to the other field and I guess Cindy didn't know where I was. So she was looking for me because Cindy was playing with Team Mexico and she started laughing because she saw me over on the other field in my uniform practicing sliding. <laughs> and so in the middle of a game, I went over to the field next to me and it was like I was in T-ball again, learning how to slide. And I, I was literally like falling, like it didn't look good. It wasn't athletic. Like I was trying to get past that little like hump in your head where it's like, dive, don't dive. Like you don't know whether to go or not. And, um, Cindy is just laughing. And I, I came back to the field. She goes, were you over there diving and sliding? And I'll, I'm all full of dirt. And I'm like, yep. And she was like, she just started cracking up laughing. Cause here I am like, I'm a four time all American, all this stuff. And I don't know how to slide. Like I'm trying to figure it out now. So it was very much like a humbling moment. Like I was like, I need to go practice this because I don't know what I'm doing right now. And um, we like laughed about it all game after the game. And we still laugh about it when we bring it up now. But I was shaking. Like my first at bat, I was so scared. I was shaking. I remember um, it was around that. It was when COVID was going on. So we had to wear like our masks and stuff. And we didn't have to wear a mask when we were hitting. But I, re I remember I was so nervous that I kept my mask on. When I was hitting, I actually think I might have a picture somewhere. Um, I kept my mask on while I was hitting and it was because I was shaking so bad. Like my lips and my mouth was like trembling because I was just, I was that scared. I was that nervous because it had been so long and I knew that I wasn't like fully ready, but I knew that if I didn't go for it in that moment that I, I didn't know when I would. I love that story. We should have got you like a, like a slip and slide, like go back old school and learn at camp of, <laughs> of how to slide. For some reason... For some reason, I didn't think about sliding. When I was coming back to playing, I was so focused on, oh, I can't wait to hit, play defense. I forgot about sliding. And then all of a sudden I get thrown out. I think it was at like third base, maybe second base. And I'm like, what the heck? Like, I, I didn't, I forgot about sliding. I'm, I'm yep, I'm, I should probably work on that. So. Oh man. What would you compare to where you were in 2015 where you said, or sorry, when was your injury was 2019? Is that correct? 2019. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where do you think, cause you said you were in the best shape of your life going into that. Where do you, where do you think you are right now relative to, to where you were pre-injury? 
uh shape wise or like playing wise uh shape wise shape wise um i think i'm in better shape now than i was before my injury um before my injury i i think that i was i was very tone um but i don't think that i was necessarily doing all the right things that i needed to do softball specific I was very toned. I was like a very, I was, I was, you know, I was pretty shredded at that time. Like I was, I was good. It's just, I wasn't, I don't think I was in softball shape. I was in good shape, but I wasn't in softball shape. So anybody on the outside looking in would be like, she's fit. She's in shape for softball. She's ready to go. But I don't believe that I was like, I don't think I was in good softball playing shape. Now I feel, I still feel toned. I still feel good, but I feel softball specific ready. Can I go run a marathon? No, I'm not in like a marathon shape. I'm not going to, I can't go do stuff like that. But if you put me out on softball field, I will perform kind of thing. Where would you rank this past 2023 athletes unlimited season compared to, to your previous seasons and just how you felt physically, mentally, like, do you feel that you were back to normal self? Do you feel maybe even better? So I'm like the worst person to ask that because I don't ever give myself credit. And I know I had a really good season. I know I did. And I know that I did well, but something tells me that like, I just could have done a lot better. So I'm very happy with my season and how it just went, especially if you compare it to my first AU season, (laughs) I think I was really close to last place. Um, Like that's first season. I always tell people my first season in AU, I was too grateful. My first season in AU, I was way too grateful for the opportunity. I was way too grateful to be back on the field. So I didn't play how I always play. I was just kind of happy to be there, Sierra. This season I came in and I was like, I'm not just happy to be here. I deserve to be here and I'm going to play like it. So I did, and I got a different result, and I was also much more prepared, I feel like, and my body felt better, my knee felt better. Um, The first year at AU, I was definitely struggling through a lot of pain throughout the season and just doing a lot of pain management. Um, This past season, I think I had maybe one weekend that my knee hurt. Um, That was it. The rest of it, it felt fine. Occasionally, it would get locked, but I'm sure, like, you know, you kind of just throw your knee around and it somehow unlocks. But like, other than that, it, it was, there was like one weekend that I was like, okay, it hurts. Um, but I still feel like I could have done so much better. Like anytime you ask me, I'm going to always say that I should be hitting above 400 and I should have double digit home runs, double digit RBIs. Like even if, even though AU is a very short season, I can't help but feel like more often than not, I should produce. And I did produce a lot this season. Um, and I made good adjustments compared to like where my first year at AU was. I just, I still feel like there's more in me. So it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I was very proud of myself, but I definitely wasn't satisfied with it. I love that. And one of the reasons I asked is because I, I feel at least myself a lot of times because I would work so hard coming back from an injury that I actually got stronger and I got faster and I got more powerful. Mm-hmm. But then the other reason, because you you talked about the opportunity to play in the Olympics. Well, now we have the 2028 Olympics coming on. And to put you on the spot, is that is that in the radar at all in five years? I can tell you confidently right now that it is not. I, I, that's 
it's actually not in my radar. Um, I feel like I don't feel like um, with where I'm at in my career, I don't think an Olympic run or medal will make or break my softball career and what I've done for the softball world. I think that right now my focus is finishing out my professional career how I want. And then I'm really passionate about this app. And I feel like I want to pursue that and make it like the best number one softball app in the world. And um, I just don't feel like if you would have asked me this a couple of years ago, like when I was hurt or whatever, I would have been like, yeah, Olympics. Yeah, this. But honestly, after making it through the knee injury and then having even just the year that I had last year, I think that to me, like, I don't think anybody understands like the mental and like inner battle that you struggle with during that time. Like, I don't know what's going to top coming out of that. I don't even think the Olympics would top coming back from my knee injury because it was something that really pushed me down that deep to where I didn't recognize myself. I didn't know who I was. So like for me to be able to come out of that, I'm like, that just proved to me that I like, that I'm a badass. I love that. When I love that to your, your legacy goes even beyond. And I, I think personally, you have a huge opportunity with what you're doing with your app and how it can impact so many softball players and get them thinking about mm -hmm. this side of the game. As, as we talk about, you know, and we're about to announce our, our partnership with, with the Alliance, I guess in your mind, who is the app for? Who should start using it? Why should they start using it? And, and what do you think that transformation is going to be from when they start using it and, and how that can transform them as, a, as an athlete and as a player? I mean, at the end of the day, the app is for anybody who, who wants to be elite. Um, the only negative anything we've gotten about the app is that it's too hard. And if we're making the app too hard, then we're doing our job right because college softball is hard. Being an elite athlete is hard and being a professional athlete is very hard. So if I were to make it any easier, I would be doing all of the app users a disservice and telling them that college softball is going to be easy and even playing elite travel ball is going to be easy because it's not. Um, I think anybody and everybody who's gone through the travel ball scene, college scene, like you said, you know, you'll, you would do it a million times over, but it was also some of the hardest times of your life when it comes to the training classes, like just everything that you had to do you had a full schedule and this app will give you a full schedule feel. Now, granted, you know, obviously I'm not there to make sure you're doing everything. So that accountability comes into place where it's like, Hey, I need to hold myself accountable and get this done. But if you have the app, there's just no excuse because it has everything. I mean, we're literally filming a body weight program right now. So that way you guys really can have like zero excuse because if you're traveling, if you're somewhere that doesn't have a gym, like I still want you to be getting better because sometimes half the battle is also figuring out how to work your body and be athletic. And that doesn't always mean being able to lift 200 pounds. That's just being able to move your own body, your body weight and be athletic. So you'd be surprised how many athletes out there, especially pros, like people say all the time, they'll see me doing a workout that I post. And I've had people say like, you got to throw another plate on there. And I'm like, no, I don't. You know, if I can move weight quickly and efficiently, that's all that matters. I don't need to throw 300 pounds up on my shoulders and squat. I don't need to deadlift 500. If I can move 100 pounds effectively, quickly, in the correct way and translate that to softball, I promise I'll have more success than you will doing 
that with 300 pounds. It's so true. Shoot. I wish I could go back even because I remember being a, when I was a pro, you don't have anybody writing you workouts anymore. So I personally would love to go back and have somebody just hand me like exactly the workout in the exact movements that are going to make me a better softball player and actually like specific to our sport. So, well, that's the thing. Like we want it to be that we want it to be the one-stop shop. Like we don't want you to feel lost. Like so many times parents, coaches, and athletes feel lost. So it's like nice because not even just the, 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 uh, players will get use out of this. A coach could get use out of this. If they don't know, if you're a dad, mom trying to coach a team, your kid's team, and you don't know what they should be doing, you can just go on the app and write your practice plans with the app drills and put it together. You know, you, you can take all this stuff and, and create something. And so same thing with like high school coaches that sometimes don't really know what to give to their athletes, like anything like that. But even the athlete who, you know, whose parents know nothing about the sport, you can go on and get this app. And now you have the ability to train like an elite softball player. Cause it's funny. Cause I don't, I think a lot of times people don't believe that this is exactly what I'm doing, but all I can tell you is that it is, I mean, I literally have the app on my phone. I just did the arm, the arm workout this morning. Today was upper body. Yesterday was lower body. I follow the exact app. Um, so you're actually, you're, you're literally doing the exact things I'm doing. It's just, I might lift a little bit more or you might lift more than me, honestly, uh, who knows? I'm not that big. So you might lift more than me, but I'm working on moving it efficiently and I'm working on being very athletic in my movements and making sure that everything translates to the softball field. So it's, it's very interesting because that's exactly what I'm doing. And any softball player that comes into the facility, whether, you know, I was working out a lot with Skylar Wallace this past off season, she was doing the app with me. Um, just yesterday and today there was one usf girl in there today with me and two in there yesterday they're also doing exactly what i'm doing on the app they may not be on the app regular regularly but like when they're in there you know in in the facility they're that's what their workouts are it's the 32 approach app they're not doing anything else they're doing exactly what softball players should be doing i'm so jealous i remember those days you'd come home for christmas break and it's like you trained in college mm-hmm. you all fall you work your butt off in off season. And then you go home for like those four to five weeks, then you got to come back ready to go. Like that would have been ideal to go home for the summer, to go home for Christmas break and have this and have a community to work out with too. So Mm -hmm. I'm I'm envious. I want to go back in time. That's just like, for me, to me, it's like, that's what makes sense. But yeah, I think like, to me, that's what it all comes down to. It's just providing the athletes what they need. So that way, they don't ever feel like they're being held back because they don't have access to something. I want to give them everything they could possibly need, but obviously it's up to them and it's on them to do the work. But by me providing it, I just feel like I'm leveling the playing field for all athletes. doesn't matter what state you're in, what type of coaches you have, what type of travel ball team you're on. I'm trying to give you as much information and the ability for you to be successful, even if you're not from, you know, a hot spot like California with the bat busters who has a facility. I was very lucky right? I was very, I was very blessed with what I had, but I don't want that to be the case for everyone where it's like, Oh, I don't have that. So I guess I don't get to go play D one. That's, I don't want people to feel that way. I want them to feel prepared and have like everything that they need. Can you explain really quick what the, um, there's a community aspect inside the app of what that looks like and how you truly are even building a community and conversations inside the app. 
Yeah, so it's a there's a discussion board within the app, so anybody can can go on it. Um, honestly, right now I don't feel like people use it as much as they should. Really, the only people on there always writing are me and my trainer, and there's always like a couple app users that consistently write in there. So you could write in there if you have questions, um, anything you want. But we try to have that discussion board so that way there's open conversation. We can be like you know, anything that's like feeling like motivating in case people are skipping workouts, not doing workouts, we want to try to hold them accountable. But also the other thing that we're doing is once you're on the app, our goal is as soon as we hit a specific number, we want to start doing monthly Zooms. So we want to be able to provide those Zooms for the app users so they can either bring any concerns they have with the app that they want changed, or it can just be thought of as like an outlet to pick my brain, pick the tr my trainer's brain, just so then that way they're always fully understanding what they're doing and why. Because just like coaching, sometimes when you're being coached, um, you want to know why you're doing something. And that's perfectly fine. I want to give them the opportunity to ask that so that way they fully understand. So then now when they go back to the app, there's that connection. It's not just, oh, Sierra and her trainer put this on there. I have to do it. No, it's on there because of this and this is why I need to do it. And this is why it's going to benefit me. Love that. Well, I, uh, I know we're, we're kind of going over time here, so I want to wrap this up with some quick, just rapid fire questions. First thing that comes to mind. Obviously your family is like full of first round draft picks and college athletes, but who is the best athlete in the family? Me. Who's the most competitive in the family? Me. <laughs> I, like, I'm just imagining, like, do board games get competitive? Or, like, if you guys were going to go play a game of horse right now, who would win? Well, that's tough because we're all really good, but that would be a very, like, that would be a very competitive game. Horse? For some reason, I feel like if we played horse, I don't know why, but I feel like Sydney might win. I'm not sure why. I feel like she might be good at horse. Mikey's competitive too. I, I played golf with Mikey and he's much better at golf than I am. So it was really hard for me to play with him because I was getting frustrated that he was so good because I'm not good at golf. I try, but I'm not good. But have y'all ever played like a family tennis match? No, but um, I'm into pickleball. So I would love to have like a family pickleball because my first time going out to the pickleball courts and playing with strangers, I got extremely competitive. Like people were like, Oh, it's your first time playing. And I'd be like, Oh yeah. Yep. I'm winning. First time oh. playing. I'm winning. Like I just, I want to win all the time. I love pickleball. I'm putting you on the spot. So you're drafting Romero pickleball team. Who's your first round draft pick out of your family? Romero pickleball team. Yeah. You got to pick probably Mikey. Oh, Sydney and Sophia are coming for you. I want to see this. We're going to put it out there. <laughs> I just, right. for some reason, I feel like Mikey would be really good at pickleball. I feel like your whole family would be really good. Yeah, no, they would. They would. <laughs> Give me your favorite Hutch quote. One of my favorite Hutch quotes, and some people might be like, why is that your favorite? I think it's, it's my favorite because she knows how to get under my skin in like a good way. Like it, I play really good when I'm mad and you can ask Sydney about it. Cause Sydney does not play that way. Um, not many people do, but I sometimes have to like piss myself off 
if I'm like not playing well or whatever, like I got to really get mad and I will play great. If I'm the, the more mad, the better. And, um, I remember I was playing Florida state and I believe it was Jessica Burroughs. She had like struck me out a couple times or something. Like I was, I, I had no hits and it was very rare in my career that I went a game without getting one hit. And um, I was mad because it was a big rivalry game. And I just remember Hutch looking at me and she was like, did she really just strike you out like twice in a row or three times in a row, whatever she said. And she was like, huh, like that's, that's crazy. And so I was like, oh, okay, Hutch, like for sure. Like that, oh, like you're doubting me. And so immediately that just like lit a fire under me. And I actually ended up hitting a home run my next at bat because I was so mad but it's just, it was one of my favorite moments because talk about like a coach knowing you as a player yep. and she just knew how to get under my skin. And to me, it was just funny. Cause I'm like, of, of course she would say that. Cause she knows that I would react in that way. Like, come on, really? Um, but as far as like a more like motivational one that she's um, that she has said to me, it was probably like during like one of those exit interviews that you do at the end of season. And it was really when she was trying to teach me how to lead and be a leader and she challenged me. Um, she was like, I don't need you to get better at softball. I need you to get better at leading. And I like, didn't know what she meant. I didn't know how to do any of that stuff. And so for me, it was like, okay, like, I guess I, I need to like read more on, on learning how to lead. So I think the best thing was like, after her saying that to me, I went into like my own, like deep dive of, okay, how do I do that? How do I make myself better? And for me, it was also talking to her and learning how to talk to people and learning how to observe people and specifically like athletes, because not every athlete is the same with how they want to be spoken to, um, how they want to be led. And so I had to like really learn as an individual how to do that. And for me, that was like a whole new challenge because it was weird to hear her say, like, I don't need you to get better at softball. I need you to become a better leader. That's so good. That's so good. Uh, kind of on the same, you've mentioned Mike quite a bit. Do you have a favorite Mike Stiff quote or memory? I think one of my favorite ones, I was fielding with him. I think I was back home from college. Um, I'm not really sure, but I was fielding with him. And I just remember he, again, he knows he's one of those coaches that knows how to get under my skin too. And so, you know, he's hitting and he's hitting balls totally out of reach. Like if I make this play, it would be really impressive. And every single time he's just saying, nice try, nice try. And he's the reason why I hate that phrase. Um, and I told him just, I told him this recently. I was like, I think I'm traumatized from that phrase. Cause if somebody says that to me, I'll kind of give them a look like, don't ever say that again. Like, I, I don't like nice try. Cause you're insinuating that like, I'm not good enough to do what is needing to be done. And so, um, you know, he, we were training and he's nice try, nice try. And then I make the play and he's like about time. And I'm just like, Ooh, like, and it'd be funny. Cause at practice, I could make the play and almost get it. And I'd be like, again, like hit it again, hit it again. Like I would be exhausted. And I'm like, again, keep going. Like I, I want to make sure I get this down. And so he's very much a big reason why I am that like perfectionist. Um, but he said something that um, we just did a, a shot, this whole thing for G form that should be coming out soon. And they interviewed Mike and I never heard him say this to me, but apparently he said it about me on camera. And now I'm like, um, it's like a phrase that I really like now. And it just, it just happened this month. So this is actually something new that Mike has said to me. And he, he said that I always had an anger for greatness. 
Um, like it was just like nothing else was going to be enough. Like I, I just, it wasn't like, it was to me saying an anger for greatness is past like a determination. Like I wasn't just determined for it. Like I was angry for it. Like I, I had to have it and I wasn't going to allow myself to slip to like anything less. And I, I just felt like him saying that really like hit home with me and made a lot of sense because I feel like that's how I am in everything that I do. Like if I don't feel like it was almost perfect or close to perfect, I'm not going to be happy with the final product. I'll redo something over and over again if I have to, but I never want to do something and feel like I'm not the best at it or one of the best. And I'm going to learn. And that could be in a job. It could be in anything. Like I, I'm, I'm going to learn because I want to be up there. I don't want to be back with the rest. I need to be up at the top. I love that. Anger for greatness. I think we found our podcast title. It, by the way, I asked that story hoping you would answer in the same way. He also told that story of nice try. And when you were saying the thing about your knee too and your bad knee, I was like, oh my gosh, this sounds just like the the nice try. <laughs> I love it. it. That's that's literally what it was. Like I, I'm telling you that nice try is forever in my brain now because of the Batbusters and because of him. Because every single time I could have made a really good play, but the throw wasn't there, wasn't finished. All I can think of is listening and hearing Mike's voice. Nice try in such like that, like in a sarcastic little tone. And I'm just like, oof, you're really, you're really trying to, trying to get me today, Mike. Like you're really getting under my skin today. Man, I know those moments. Okay. And last question. Give me one thing that, that you know now, it could be anything that you wish you would have known as a youth player? Um, I think that the biggest thing that I know now that I wish that I knew when I was younger was probably just like the idea of like more is always better. Um, sometimes it's sometimes it's figuring out what works for you as an athlete. I think for so long, I like absorbed so many different things, which is only natural because you're young and you're trying to figure it out. But I think that at the end of the day, it's about figuring out what is best for you and how to make that work. And as I've gotten older, I've done a much better job of figuring that out. But I do think that that started really for me in college, um, because even in like travel ball, I don't feel like I had really taken a hold of what really worked for me. I was leaning a lot on my coaches and what they told me to do, which lucky for me, I had great coaches, but I wish that in high school, I would have taken more on myself because I did know a lot of good information. I was being taught great things, but I wasn't like creating my own, like my own thing for myself. I hadn't created that yet. And I started to focus more on that in college, but then I did somewhat lose it. And obviously now that I'm a much older, more experienced athlete, I've, I finally know what that is and know what I need to do. But I wish I would have done that when I was younger, because I think I could have I could have um, saved my body and like rested a little bit more. You know what I mean? I think I've I went a little overboard when I was younger sometimes with my training or with some of those things where I could have given myself a little bit more of a break. Very good. Well, I I appreciate it. And thank you for uh, for taking the time. If I if I want to train with you, how can I find out more information about about the app? How can I get started? Uh, biggest thing is just go to the 32 approach.com 
everything will be on there. It'll, you'll be able to get redirected to everything that you need. You can download the app from your phone. Again, it's the 32 approach. Um, and everything you need is going to be on there. And I would definitely say as far as social media goes, the best social media to follow me on is going to be my Instagram, which is Sierra joy 32. Um, but other than that, and my website, I think Instagram, and then my website are the two things that provide the most information and, um, the most things that are going to help you. Love it. Well, I'm excited for, uh, for partnering together and hopefully offering a lot more athletes, the, the opportunity to train with you and make our, our sport even better on, on that side. And outside of the playing field. So thank, thank you for, uh, for hanging out with us on the car ride home. Of course. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to, to give this to all Alliance players and, and have them join and hopefully watch them just take their game to the next level and see what they're really capable of. Hey guys, we hope you're enjoying the car ride home podcast. Hopefully we're filling the air and making your car ride home a little bit more enjoyable. Please be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple, or YouTube and leave us a review. If you have any special guest or request that you'd like to, to hear or have us bring a guest or a story onto the podcast, shoot us an email, info at the We'd love to hear from you.